0: Uh, Would you pray with me, please, as we ask for help for us all from our God? Father God, we pray that as your word speaks to us today and as I preach it, that you might strengthen me to do that, to speak words that are true and faithful, clear and helpful. Lord, But we pray that they might comfort us where we need it, rebuke us where we need it, encourage us to trust you, uh, even in our trials and with the things that worry us. So, Lord, we pray for a work of your spirit uh, in and through me and in all of our hearts this day. For the glory of you, our Father God. Amen. I forgot to say, too, there's a transcript and an outline on the foyer table and on the website, too. Well, Australian research suggests that over 40% of people in our country, 16 years and older, have experienced a mental health disorder Anxiety being the most common. One study found that in 2020 to 2021, start of COVID, nearly 20% of 15 to 24-year-olds had anxiety. I actually think that it remains much higher than that. No doubt many of you who are here today live with the challenge of anxiety on a daily basis. Maybe you're at primary school uh, or at secondary school and you struggle with it. Uh, Anxiety maybe about how people treat you, how people view you, or, or whether you'll be alone again at school today. Maybe you're anxious about how you're doing that assessment or in that group of people or with that presentation you're doing up in front of the whole class. Or maybe you're an adult and you experience something like this. You wake up 10 minutes later than you'd hoped because you'd press the snooze button. Anxiety already starts to creep in and you think, what if I'm late? What about the traffic? What's the weather like today? You pass the mirror and you worry about that your face has more wrinkles than it used to. You rush downstairs, you let the kids eat whatever they want and then you start to worry if too much sugar really does cause cancer. As you get the kids ready, you realize one of your boys didn't do his homework again. You worry if he's ever going to get his head screwed on straight. And as you drop the kids off, you worry that they may fall in with the wrong crowd or fall off the monkey bars. And once you get home, you pull up Facebook just to unwind. And there you read about how awesome everyone else's kids are or seem to be and all the amazing cupcakes your friends make and you worry that you might be a failure as a mum. Later in the morning you feel the pain in your knee again. You worry about having to get a knee replacement, how much it'll cost, who will take care of the kids as you are laid up for a month. And then you worry that maybe the pain is actually something else. So you check all the medical websites and and do your research, and you really you realize that you probably have some untreatable illness uh, that may end in your death, and on it goes. And maybe you know something of what that's like. I think we all worry about one thing or another, and to one degree or another. I'm sure that some of you will hear this command today to not worry, and then you will start worrying about your worrying. God wants us to experience joy and peace, not worry. And so I hope that you'll listen closely today. At the end of Philippians chapter 3, we were told of Jesus' return and our resurrection that is coming for all who've trusted in him. And that God wants us to live Christ-like lives now, imitate godly examples now, while eagerly awaiting our heavenly future, our eternal future. In chapter 4, verse 1, the Apostle Paul had spoken of his love and his care for the Philippian Christians. And now he addresses two women in conflict by name. Christian unity is uh, my first of two points today, and this first point is brief. Verse 2, I urge you, Odia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. The word for urge or, or plead with. It's repeated, it's personalized, it's emphasized, isn't it? But just think, can you imagine being named in a letter like this that is read to the whole church? You ODS and Senseiki were two women, we're told, who served with Paul and his team in gospel ministry. So we assume that they are leaders in the church known to all and that their disagreement was in some way a threat to the unity of the whole church. We don't know more details about what they did or what the conflict was. And Paul, though, is not taking sides. He's asking them to agree in the Lord. The same It's actually the same words that were used back in chapter 2, verse 2, for thinking the same way. And it flows from the unity that Paul had called for in chapter 1, verse 27. Gospel unity, it will, comes, it will come with humility and considering others' interests before our own. Paul urges Euodia and Syntyche to remember their common bond in the Lord, their, their commitments to live for him, and that both their names are written in the Lamb's book of life, or in the book of life. The end of Revelation is described as the Lamb's book of life. And it refers to the list of everyone who believe in Jesus and be given eternal life with God in glory. He is saying, don't divide over your differences, but choose to focus on the unity you have in the gospel, remembering that you will spend joyful eternity together. Maybe there's someone that you are divided from. Maybe maybe it was a minor issue that's been blown up into a major issue. I ask, is there someone that God wants you to seek unity with? But sometimes for reconciliation to occur, we need a mediator. We need a third person to come in and help us. That's true in marriages. It's true in teams. That's true also in the church, church relationships. And we're told, aren't we, that Paul asks this true partner to help these two women reconcile and come to a common mind. We don't know who the true partner was, whether it was Epaphroditus, the Greek for true partner is Zizigus, and maybe that was someone's actual name, or it could have been someone else. Paul asks them to help these two divided sisters in Christ And no doubt, when they focus on rejoicing in Christ, verse 4, and remaining gracious, verse 7, that is gentle, humble, uh, that will help. You see, when graciousness grows, the the bad fruit of malice or self-righteousness, the bad fruit of hating and hurting others or just wanting to be right, that will not. And whether you are fighting with a brother or sister at home, or with someone at school, maybe with someone at work or someone in the church, whoever it is, God asks you to be gracious. Point two is joy and peace, not worry. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. This is a command to obey. And it is an invitation to enjoy peace. And remember that Paul writes this, rejoice while he's in prison. Joy has been a repeated theme in the letter, hasn't it? Remember Andy, if you were here way back at the start of chapter 2, joy, he said, is about contentment whatever our circumstances. Combining that with what we read here today, I'm suggesting to you that joy is about experiencing contentment and peace whatever our circumstances. Joy is not something that we experience as a result of happy circumstances like I'm on the beach or on a mountain, cold drink in our hands. Joy is something that we can experience despite our circumstances, whatever they are. And as Andy said back in chapter 2, I remind you of it, joy is found in focusing on Jesus and then others and then yourself. Before yourself, Jesus, then others, and then yourself. Joy. We will not find joy by looking inward or by focusing on our circumstances instead of on the Lord. As verse 4 instructs us, we are to rejoice in in the Lord, in who our Lord Jesus is and in what he's done. Remember, in, in what has he done? It's his life of love, his life-giving sacrifice, his living presence with us. And when the Bible speaks of rejoicing, it's, it's not merely an internal attitude or a feeling. God wants us to actually engage in the physical activity of rejoicing. Rejoicing in prayer, with our words, even out loud, even in song. Is rejoicing in the Lord part of your prayer life? Every day. There's always plenty of reasons to rejoice. Even when our world is falling apart, even when we're feeling discouraged, ill or anxious. And even if there is nothing else to rejoice in, we can always rejoice in Jesus. The one who humbled himself, became obedient to death, we read in chapter 2. And we can rejoice that God exalted him, gave him the name Lord, and that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. We know the Lord He knows us. And verse 5 also says the Lord is near. Now that word near could mean in space or in time or both. I take it as both. The Lord Jesus is coming soon. 3 verse 20, he's coming back to end our suffering, our struggle with sin. He's coming to transform our bodies and bring us to God so we can rejoice in that. And he's near to us now in terms of his presence. In fact, not just near, he's with us. In us. If we've trusted in Jesus, we are in the Lord, joined to Jesus by the Spirit and he is in us. God has embraced us in Jesus. And so you are not alone. Whatever you're going through at the moment or that makes you worry it will end and Jesus is with you that's what it means that the lord is near without context verse 6 says don't worry about anything maybe the philippians like us struggled with worry and anxiety the original greek word for worry it can mean anxious or to be troubled with cares Now remember we saw in chapter 2 that Paul, Epaphroditus, Timothy, they all experienced anxiety, things that can be described as anxiety, in that they had concern, even deep emotional concerns for others. And so not all anxiety or worry is sinful. The word worry is from an old English word that means to strangle And the English word anxiety comes from a word describing narrowing or tightening feelings around your throat or your chest. And I think that's what it feels like. Worry squeezes the life out of you. joy The joy out of you. And it can result in fear and distress and trouble and panic. Now I confess that I'm not someone who has really struggled with great anxiety. But in this helpful book, which I recommend to you, Living Without Worry, Tim Lane helps us to see that there's different types and degrees of anxiety. I realise you'll need good eyes for the diagram. But as the the intensity of anxiety increases, it becomes more life Dominating and debilitating to the person and their relationships. Professional help is especially needed then. Lane addresses how we can be anxious about past things which may get triggered, be anxious about present things, and be worried about future things. He says, the essence of worry, though, he says the essence of worry is in attempting to find your ultimate hope comfort and meaning in something that is temporal and fleeting. It happens when you treat something in creation as a God so you rely on it and seek happiness in it. And the solution to worry is not you choosing to be laid back and not worrying about anything. The solution is not to simply tell yourself or sing along with the 80s song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. Usually trying to suppress our anxiety doesn't work. One writer says, early on in my journey with anxiety, I would start to feel anxious about feeling anxious. And like a wrestler trying to subdue an opponent, I would then try and suppress the anxiety. However, this only made my anxiety worse. It felt like I was wrestling Bruce Banner who was turning into the Hulk. He found that sometimes not fighting the anxiety but acknowledging the feelings and then choosing to move forward anyway helped him. I suggest that seeing your doctor, seeing a Christian counselor or psychologist, even being receiving medication can all be things that help. But how do we respond to our anxiety by thinking and living biblically? We respond with prayer. Four different words for prayer are used in verse 6. So when we're becoming anxious or worried, we talk to God about it. We seek his help. We bring our requests and our needs to him. If you're worried or anxious, God says pray. And I know that prayer is not an easy practice, especially when you're anxious. It may require Choosing to pray even when you don't feel like it. Still, I have spoken to so many Christians over the years who struggle with anxiety and get discouraged that they have prayed lots. They've asked God to help them stop worrying. Ask God to change their desires, their feelings, their circumstances and nothing changes. I think maybe that's because we forget something else in verse 6. Please notice what verse 6 says, we're to also bring our request to God with thanksgiving. We need to remember and practice this. How are you going at thanking God often for who he is and what he's done for you? It might be helpful for you to list it out, write it out in prayer, on a piece of paper, on your phone, everything that God has done for you all his material provisions now and in the past, the relationships that are positive and loving that you have, past answers to prayer and the blessings you have in salvation, all the blessings that are yours in Christ Jesus, you might be helped by going and reading Ephesians chapter 1 and list them out. And I hope you can see that, that, that we will worry less as we rejoice and give thanks more. That focusing on God and what he's already given you and what he promises you, promises you now and in eternity are all things to focus on and give thanks for. Focusing on God's word and his promises is what is needed when you're anxious. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, cast all your cares or anxieties on the Lord because he Cares for you. So pray believing that God cares for you. As we read in in Matthew chapter 6 earlier, as the Father feeds the birds of the sky, He says, We are worth more, far more than birds. God knows that you need food and clothes. And Matthew 6, verse 30 and verse 33 is saying that He will provide for you. It's a promise. As we seek his kingdom and follow the King Jesus, God will provide for our needs. Not all my wants, not all my felt needs, but my real needs. That was, that means require that requires that we trust that He knows what my real needs are. And it's a promise. And so faith is more than a vague notion that Jesus existed and we're going to heaven if we believe in him. Faith is a practical way of looking at the world. Biblical faith extends to all of life, not merely to the salvation of our souls. And when we worry, we are telling God, I don't trust you to run my life. I don't think you're really in control. I need to do everything to take care of myself because I'm not sure that you will. But think about it. Jesus is saying God cares for the animals, for the flowers, even the grass. Why wouldn't he take care of you, his child whom he loves? A woman called Denise was chatting with her theologian friend Lynn and spoke about, Denise was speaking about her long battle with cancer. She said, well, One often feels alone in the struggle. It's easy to worry about the what-ifs. If I die, what what about my three school-aged children? What about my husband? What about my ageing mother? Worry is a signal that our gaze has shifted to the swirling clutter of events at our feet. We must lift our head and raise our eyes to the throne of God, to the person of Jesus who is present with us. This act of faith must be repeated and strengthens. Lynn says, My friend Denise spoke these words to me when I spoke of my fear at going on an international flight. Her words brought me up short. I was allowing my mind to cycle through the imagined scenarios rather than live in the present moment where God is sovereign. God wants us to trust his will in our circumstances and have confidence in his care and when you pray repeatedly daily bringing your requests and your thanks to god knowing that he cares and that he will provide you provide for you that will help you rejoice and you will experience peace and this might still be very hard And you might have to do this. You might do this, pray and give thanks. Maybe you might have 10 minutes of peace and then you have to do it again as a constant battle with your own thoughts and feelings. But you will experience peace because verse 7 says we have a promise from God that he gives this peace that passes understanding when we trust him, pray to him, bring our requests to him with thanksgiving. This peace of God is a subjective feeling. It's an inner calm that settles the turbulence of our troubled hearts. This peace is a calm contentment. God has peace in himself and he gives it. It comes again, we're told, in Christ. So through relationship with him and by relying on him, Peace is found by trusting in Jesus Christ and obtained through prayer. Not because your desire for whatever made you anxious has been given. Not because you have the money, the health, the happiness, the relationship, whatever it was that unsettled you. But because your God is with you. So you will be okay. singer and songwriter Lauren Daigle. I fell into a pit of darkness and COVID affected 2020 with anxiety and depression and panic attacks. But with the help of others, no doubt the Lord, she made it out of that place. In her song, Everything, she powerfully sings. Even the sparrow has a place to lay its head. So why would I let worries steal my breath? Even the roses you have clothed in brilliant red, still I'm the one you love more than this. You give me everything. You give me everything. You give me everything everything I need. Even the oceans push and pull at your command so you can still my heart with your hands. You tell the seasons when it's time for them to turn so I will trust you even when it hurts. You give me everything. You give me everything. You give me everything I need. When I am lost, you will find me. When I'm weak, you are mighty. You are everything I need. And from her, her song, Trust in You, you can tell I've been listening to her a bit lately. From her song, Trust in You, she sings, When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers, as I cry to you, out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. Maybe listening to songs that sing truth might help you like it does me. So whether you are a kid or an adult, maybe you could see your worry or anxiety as an opportunity. An opportunity to reveal and to turn from the, the other things we love too much. And an opportunity to grow. Timothy Lane writes, excuse me, I just have to blow my nose. Tim Lane writes, I'm someone who can overlove order. Because it provides me with a sense of control and comfort. When my ordering of my world becomes an over-concern, I tend to become bossy with others or impatient. As I write this chapter, I'm at a coffee shop due to a ferocious winter storm that came through the area where I live. We lost power on Tuesday. It's now Friday. The power's not being restored. I'm living within circumstances that are threatening my ability to control my worlds. In addition, our house is without heat, threatening my comfort. How will I choose to respond? Will I be indifferent? Let my wife sort the house stuff out, and my publisher cope with a missed deadline? Will I be anxious, on edge, and impatient with my family and the power company? Will I focus on my own problems or will I check on and serve my neighbours? To put it concisely, will I love God most, letting him be in control and seeking comfort in knowing him, or will I overlove having electricity? It's like what Paul goes on to say in Philippians 4 verse 8 and 9. We really do need to be mindful what we focus on and what we choose to think about. We're told there to dwell on whatever's right, true, pure, good, commendable, whatever is morally excellent and praiseworthy, whatever pleases God. We're to think about such things. And those words have links to, to the Philippians, Greco-Roman culture and their virtues, but they are still to be seen through a, a Christian worldview. And as we think about this for us, In what you watch online, the movies you watch, the things you read, the things you listen to, are you constantly filling your mind with sex and lust, murder, violence, abuse, greed or shopping, fantasy? If so, your heart and mind, it will be influenced by and it will be pulled toward those things. What we read and watch and listen to matters. It affects our thinking and our desires. And like that, when we focus only on the negative things or the whatever is making us anxious, it won't help us. So we need to focus on what is true and good and what matters to God, don't we? So do you need to change what your mind soaks in. Because verse 9 says, as we think about and live out Paul's teaching, his godly example, he says the God of peace will be with you. What we think about matters. What, what is it? What does or what is it that has the potential to make you worry or be anxious? Whatever it is, bring it to the Lord in prayer. This is not a quick fix. I am not saying just pray a prayer, even a faith-filled prayer, and anxiety will vanish. God loves dependent, childlike faith that walks hand in hand with him daily. Change is usually slow with lots of ups and downs, but you can change. Christian, you can change because you are in Christ. He is with you and in you. Your kids can change too. Parents, as you help them with their worries and you help them look to the Lord, we will change as we walk hand in hand with our Father, not just knowing his promises but, but trusting in them and treasuring them and living by them. So how can we stop worrying? How can you find peace? Keep bringing your request to God with thanksgiving. But also look at Jesus. He knows. He sees. He he cares. He cares for you, Christian. And he will never leave you or forsake you. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we confess so often our what is our little faith. Sometimes we can be overwhelmed with or constantly struggle with worry and anxiety. And there's many reasons for that, Lord. We pray that you might help and especially comfort and empower those who do. I pray for any feeling of responding to this message, I pray that they wouldn't do so with just guilt with greater worry about their worrying. Lord, I pray that my brothers and sisters would look to the Lord, turn to him, trust you, Lord, and remember and rely on and treasure, your very great and precious promises. Help us to believe that you love us and that you are faithful and you will meet us in our need. And Lord, we pray that you might be glorified by the way we respond even in our trials and even when we worry. Please, Lord, make us more like your son, Jesus. Do a great work of your grace in our hearts by your spirit. Father, in your son, our saviour's name we pray. Amen.